morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to Quick Hitters, volume number six, at least by my count. There might be more of these. Uh, this is why I teach history and not math. Really excited to have the guests on this week that uh, we have lined up. Uh, folks are really going to enjoy uh, the group of people that I have lined up. And we are going to start here today with Don Showalter, uh, the US, uh, uh, part of USA Basketball, uh, the man brave enough to travel internationally with one of the Vanderloo boys out of Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, just back from, it was Ecuador, right, Coach? Ecuador, yeah. Yeah, so uh, at, at least you didn't bring Jeff Vanderloo. You brought Raz, you know, a little bit more responsible of the Vanderloo clan, I guess. So well, that's, that's definitely what I thought, too. <laughs> That worked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, you know, we, we were talking a little bit before we uh, before we recorded. Just kind of tell folks what you were doing uh, in, in Central uh, or uh, South America and, and everything that you had going on down there. Yeah, well, um, start out about a month ago, actually about uh, two months ago uh, now, I went down to Mexico and, uh, and uh, worked a uh, camp down there and gave a coaching clinic uh in mexico as well uh and then uh just recently got back from ecuador which which was uh uh raz and i worked with uh junior national team members of of ecuador so it was it was really their their best girls and boys in the u16 u17 uh age group so it was good it was fun uh I think uh, you know when you when, sometimes when you go international. The one I went in Mexico, uh, we youth all the way up from from seven year olds, eight year olds, all the way through uh, sixteen, seventeen. So it wasn't quite as as uh, uh, the level that Ecuador was because Ecuador was just strictly the international. That was fun. It was really good. Found a couple steakhouses that were really good too. So <laughs> everything everything is good there. If you, if, you, if you can find a good steakhouse, all is well. That's that's, that's oh, all that really matters. Much better. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, uh, you know, Coach Walter knows why he's on, and so before we get going, I'll explain why Coach Walter's on. Um, I work, uh, as a lot of listeners know, I worked Snow Valley a couple weeks ago. Great experience, by the way, Coach. I, I loved it. Uh, I, I the the bill for uh, the masseuse for working out the the leg cramps. <laughs> Uh, is on the way, so you should be expecting that in a few days. No uh, problem. I close a lot. So, <laughs> but uh, uh, we we had a uh, one of the nights we had a a coaches clinic, and and Coach Showalter uh, talked about uh, coaches DNA and kind of the five pieces of what should be in in a good coach's DNA. And so after he was all done, I went up and asked him. I said, Hey, could I use this for? Uh, one of my foundation Fridays, and he said, "I'll do you one even better. Let's just I'll just come on and we'll just talk about it." So I'm like, "Hey, that's even better because then people don't have to listen to my nasally Italian voice talk about what is really Coach Show Walter's material." So, uh, Coach, uh, just tell us about uh, your list here for for coaches DNA and 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 what what should coaches do in order to better themselves and to be the best coach they could possibly be. Yeah, hey Marty, it's good to you know it's good to visit about this. What 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 I did is 
throughout the last couple of years, you know, I traveled a lot watching ball games and uh, going to practices and evaluating players a lot. Uh, but during that period, too, I also had a chance to see a lot of coaches and how they worked and and how they conducted practices and, and during games, uh, all, you know, all the way from from Division Two, Three, Division One high school coaches, even even some youth coach practices that I really really enjoyed. So, <coughs> excuse me, I put together a kind of a list of what I call coaches' DNA. You know what what is what is kind of similar about all the really good coaches that I went and saw that I have a lot of respect for. So I put together a list of five things, five traits that I think are very important for, uh, for coaches. Uh, what, what made them good? Mm-hmm. Uh, what made them, what made them stand out? I should say. Mm-hmm. So I think the first one, I'll just, I'll just start by going through these Marty, but yep. uh, first one is, is being a great teacher. And, and all the good coaches that I've seen are, are great teachers. They are, you know, they know how to, they, they know how to, to reach every kid. And, uh, you know, great teachers in the classroom, great teachers that are coaches, you know, kids learn different, players learn different. Some are auditory learners, some are visual learners. But the great teachers that I watched take into account how kids learn and are very conscientious of making sure that, uh, they they explore those options that that uh, to help a player learn. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I kind of go the five the five points the five points of being a great teacher. You know, they have to they have to explain a, a drill or explain what they want done, and they have to show it. Uh, that reaches most of the players uh, when they explain and show it. Uh, and then they then you then you have to rep it. If you're going to build habits, you have to rep continuously uh get good get good reps in and then you you correct those reps and then you rep it again so that's kind of the five point uh basis of being a great teacher mm-hmm. uh, uh the, the, the night at snow valley you said that that jay wright was kind of the guy that you really thought was one of the best that you've seen with this yeah you know jay jay does a great job uh uh uh, just, I mean, he just he's he's so good at just explaining in a small way what he wants. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't go into he doesn't expound on anything. He just very simply explain explains what he wants. He shows it a lot. He has his kids demonstrated, and then the way they get a lot of reps in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as I as I go through other other players or other coaches, other systems. Uh, Brandon McKillop uh, from uh, Davidson is yep. is really really a good coach as well. So uh, those guys are just they, they're just uh, they know how to they know how to get to most other players. And part of it is because they're great teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's one. What's what's number two on your list, Coach? Number two on my list is being authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the coaches I watch are very authentic. They're you know they don't try and be somebody they aren't. Uh, you go watch a Jay Wright practice or a Tom Izzo practice or Fran McCaffrey practice or, or even good high school coaches, you know, Mike Jones or DeMatha or, or uh, a lot of really good high school coaches are just, they're authentic. They're, that's who they are. And and I think if you're going to build trust with the players, you, you really have to be authentic. 
in, in, in uh, your presentation. You have to be authentic with, with the players because that builds trust in them. If you're trying to be somebody different, then they, I think the players think, well, he doesn't really know what he's talking about because he's trying to be somebody different than who he really is. So uh, I just use the word authentic, and I think that's that's a kind of a big term, a, a big term to use for for coaches that are just who they are all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, players love that. Yeah. I mean, players they get used to who you are, they trust who you are, so you never deviate from those kind of things um, on and off the court. Yeah. Do, do you think that is something that especially a lot of young coaches have to learn how to do in the same way that you learn how to put together a practice plan, you learn how to put together a scouting report and those type of things. I, th- I think in some ways being authentic is something that you you have to learn yourself and, and you have to know yourself before you really can share yourself with others. Do you, what do you think about that, Coach? That's, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, you know, and I look back as a young coach, you know, we grew, but we grew up somewhat in the Bobby Knight era, mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of coaches, and I think myself included a little bit in all this. You know, we were trying to be be the, the Bobby Knight uh, persona mm-hmm. with our player, and you know that that just didn't work because because I'm not Bobby Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, young coaches are not somebody else. You know, whether they're trying to be like Coach K or or uh, you know Tom Izzo or or whoever, but that, that that's not authentic. So the players players see that right away, and they're thinking, you know, the, the, the trust factor is not quite there because they're saying, you know, that's not who he really is. So I, I think young coaches it takes a while to learn that. Uh, I, I think the more the longer you coach, obviously you have a better feel for for who you are. And why you're and why you're coaching? I think the big question is why why do you coach? So if you figure out why you coach, I think you're authentic, authentic with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's uh, that's two down, three to go. What's next up on yep. your list? Three is organized. Uh, you know, and that's pretty simple to to uh, imagine with the coaches. But you know, orga- organization comes in a lot of different ways. And you know, the, the obviously the first one we think about is is practice plans. You're organized with your practice plan. You have down what you want to do. You're organized in, in your, you know, written down on paper and how long your drills are and, and what you want to accomplish that day. You're also organized maybe on a weekly or monthly or yearly <clears throat> schedule too. I always tried to get, get, you know, so many, these things I tried to get it before our first game. We only had about two weeks of practice. So I wanted to get these items in, these things in before our first game and then then maybe at christmas time you'd add you you want to get some more things put in or or really work on an aspect with your team so organization includes more than just a daily practice schedule and i i said too i always said that uh you know organization includes you know how you organize your thoughts to teach Mm -hmm. you got to go into practice you can't just go in thinking you're going to explain something with no organized thought process on how you're going to explain it to kids. Mm-hmm. I think if, if kids see you're not real organized, you know, with your thoughts and how you, and how you teach things, then I, I think they're going to uh, maybe have a little bit of uh, doubt that you really know what you're doing, that you really know what, what you're doing. And, you know, players, 
you know, players really, it really doesn't matter how much you know with players, but it matters how much, how you get your point across. Yeah. Uh, so I think being organized in that aspect is, from my standpoint, is really a big deal that you're organized in, in the little things that go on. And also I think, you know, you, you, if you really want to get along with, I mean, if you have a good relationship with your parents, I think in order to do that, I think, I think the organization piece is big. You know, when they ask you something, I think you need to be organizing your thoughts to them. You know, I, I think you can't spout off something right away to a parent and not have your thoughts organized a little bit. You know, that's why it's always good to have, you know, you don't talk to parents right after a game or whatever. You know, you need to organize your thoughts in how you're going to approach that parent who wants to know, hey, how come my kid isn't playing more? You know, mm-hmm. and I think, I think, I think being organized in your thoughts have it go a long way in that parent coach relationship uh, that we all try to develop and we all know is really, really important. Mm-hmm. So, but I think organization is, is, is a major factor in, in the good coaches. Well, I, I think that, you know, if you're, if you're organized, you retain your credibility. And if you're credible, then you can establish trust, which is the most important thing we can establish with, with our kids. But if, if, if we're not organized, it's hard to be credible. And if you're not credible, then you're not going to have a whole lot of trust. So I think all of those buzzwords kind of all go hand in hand, not only with your parents but or with your players, but like you said, with your parents or even your own staff and, and making sure that you have the, the credibility and the trust of, of the staff, whether it's you as an assistant coach uh, helping out your head coach or, or the other way around. And, and just that, that's something I know I obsess over, uh, is making sure I've, I've got everything lined up and, and putting things in the right place because I do, you know, I think it's really important. We, as coaches, we can, there, there's so many things that we can't control in this game that that's something we can right. really control. Yeah. You know, but, I'm sorry. You know, go ahead. But, yeah, I think that's 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 huge from the standpoint. That's that's something that we can control every every bit piece of being organized. I mean, that's on us. That's not on anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I you know I love the aspect that you know this is how players kind of look at us uh, as far as being organized. You know, and and they they have that level of hey, he knows what he's talking about if he's organized. Yeah, yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So. uh Number four, number five here, Coach. Yep, number four is, is humble. Uh, I think I, the, the good coaches, you know, the Jay Wrights of the world, have a great relationship with Coach K at Duke, uh, Roy Williams, uh, Thomas. They're all very humble. They, they really don't forget, you know, where they came from and how they got to where they were. Uh, humility is a is a big, huge factor. You know, I go to watch practice and. And you know, right away they're very humble. You know, look, just in just in conversation, uh, it's not like uh, you know, uh, and, and they're that way with everybody. Everybody comes there, they're you know, they'll they'll stop and visit with them a little bit. Whether you're a high school coach, youth coach, because you know they all know that uh, you know the job of being a coach doesn't just entail you know a Division One multi million dollar coach. Uh, so I think the humility factor in the best of them is really good. I can I really kind of don't have much time for coaches who 
who who have you know who who don't have no no humility toward uh, toward other coaches or or coaches who are maybe high school coaches or a college coach or or a youth coach. Uh, you know, it, it, it says a lot about that person, mm-hmm. I think, as well. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy had a great statement uh, on TV here a while back. He said there are really two types of coaches in this business: ones that ones one, ones that are humble and really have humility toward other people in the game, and the second group is the ones that will be humbled because mm-hmm. he said eventually, eventually the game will humble everybody. So he said, uh, you know, why not be humble to start with with that? So humility is a big, uh, is just a, you know, it's just a, a common de- denominator for good coaches because they understand that humility uh, is is where they can reach everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's an awesome, it, it really is awesome when you, when you get a chance to see really great coaches that are humble. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the thing, the thing about Jay Wright, though, Coach, and you brought his name up a couple of times. I just wish he would put a little bit more time into looking presentable to the world. Uh, you know, the, the, well, guy, the, the, the guy, the guy's just got to get his wardrobe together. I got to tell you, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. He, I, 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 I he wish is, I could dress a tenth as good as Jay Wright. So, well, I think part of it is. Uh, part of it is, Marty's. You need to have his income. Up. <laughs> I, think that, I think that would help a lot of us. Uh, if we, if we had his income to to uh, to, uh, to to dress that way. But what? yeah, he's he's you know this past year too. It's kind of funny because I'm sure it killed him by not being in a, in a suit coat tie because you know all the coaches were pullovers or polos or whatever but you knew i knew down deep he was just going man i wish i could be in my you know three piece uh three piece farachi suit here yeah well well now that i teach at a public school instead of a private school uh the the wardrobe will will kick up dramatically i can tell you that coach uh, <laughs> In, instead of shopping at the Kohl's sale rack, I might buy yeah. stuff at full price at Kohl's now. So. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, and, and actually, I have it fit, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, oh, boy, that hit a little close to home. So. Uh, uh, number five here. What's your fifth one? Yeah, number five, coach DNA. I think it really sets great coaches apart as they're adaptable. Uh, you know, adaptability is huge with coaches. I think we all have, we've all had experiences where we have to adapt to, to the game of basketball. And, and this past year was certainly the, you know, the heights of adaptability for coaches, you know, with the COVID and not, not many practices or practice when you could. And some kids couldn't practice. And boy, we had to be super adaptable in order to even make it through last year and i think coaches have a knack great coaches have just a knack for for being adaptable and you know i i go watch practices even before the you know obviously before the pandemic and it amazes me how adaptable some coaches are uh like when just for instance when a drill doesn't go right or or maybe a you know a player isn't playing very well i mean they, they just they know how to adapt to the situation uh, you know, 
you go to a practice, high school practice, and and the fire alarm goes off. So, you know, so everybody's got to go out of the building, and then you come back in, and it, it's just like the good coaches, boy, they just don't miss a beat. It's not like they ever went out for the, you know, and and, and, and the other coaches, it takes them a while to get back into the rhythm of what a practice was. But the good ones, boy, they come right back in from a, from a fire drill like that. They're right on the court like they never like they were never gone. Yeah. Um, you know, a good, really good youth coach uh, that co- that coaches that I, I have a chance to watch. Sometimes he coaches my grandson's team, so I take him to practice and help out with practice. But uh, and just be, being adaptable, you know, sometimes you know he'll plan on ten kids being there. Well, you know, two kids may be gone for whatever reason. So now, you know, all his practice schedule for ten players is is null and void. Mm-hmm. So he has to adapt his practice session to eight kids instead of 10. Mm-hmm. So, so those things are really, uh, I think really a big piece of, you know, instead of, instead of getting mad and, and uh, you know, uh, just let the kids know that, that, you, you know, you're upset with things and when they don't go quite right, you know, you're, you adapt to them. And I, I, I think players really not only appreciate that fact, but I think players then say, you know what, you know, this coach, he's got his act together because it doesn't bother him. You know, and and you talk about adaptable is also in game situations. I mean, we really have to be adaptable in game situations. You know, the other coach throws, a, the opposing coach throws a zone at you or a trap or whatever. Well, we got to be, you know, we got to adapt to what that, what, what's our, what the defense does to us, but Plus, also we have to adapt to situations and games. You know, maybe maybe the game is tied going into the going into uh, the third quarter. You know, how we what what are we going to do? How are we going to adapt? Uh, uh, have our team adapt to situations that occurred in the first three quarters to make the fourth quarter really good. So, I, I just think that's a whole area that coaches don't really think about uh, as being adaptable. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, again, kind of like what we talked about earlier, a lot of that adaptability comes through, uh, you got to have those battle scars, and you got to go through those experiences, and the only way that you go through those experiences is putting yourself in a situation where you go through those experiences, and and making those adjustments on the fly, and, uh, you know, just having those reps, and and sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of times, we as coaches, and and, and we'll, we'll end on this one, Coach. Uh, a lot of times coaches think that, uh, you know, th- this is plan A and everything's going to go perfectly and, <laughs> you know, this, that, and the other thing. And yeah. uh, as, as, as one of our football coaches at my old job used to say, you know, well, the other guy's trying to win too. And so they do something and, you know, we want our teams, we want to have that linear progression. We want to get better every time out. But sometimes it's it's good for our teams to to have some failure uh, and to adapt and to change and to react to it, uh, because that's kind of the true test is is when things aren't going exactly the way that you drew it up, and now you have to figure it out a different way and have that adaptability, whether that's foul trouble, whether that's a turned ankle, whether that's yep. a kid being sick, uh, you know, what whatever the situation may be, you you've got to have that ability to to put yourself in that situation. You got to have those opportunities. And instead of looking at them as, as burdens, I, I try to look at them as opportunities to give our team a chance to an opportunity to adapt to something that's gone wrong. You know, I think a great 
Marty, Marty, a great example of that is our is our Olympic team right now. Absolutely, yeah. We 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 really struggled there for some exhibition games and and uh, you know everything else going on. And I mean, I think we made did a, I think Pop did a great job of, of adapting to to uh, his team, and I think uh, we we certainly adapted to to you know, just the international competition. The more we play it, so I think. Pops done a great job of that, and you know, you look last night beating Spain. We had, you know, twenty six assists, I think, uh, uh, to to only nine turnovers. I mean, it, it was uh, uh, the second half was tr- was really tremendous. So, so I think adaptability goes all the way from you know your youth team all the way up through the, through the NBA and then our Olympic team. I think you see that mm-hmm. happening a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. Don Showalter from USA Basketball. Uh, Coach, thanks again for everything that you've done for me and, and, and enjoyed the heck out of Snow Valley, and, and I'll be back next summer. And uh, awesome. I, I'm planning on bringing my son with me here. And uh, just uh, thanks so much for coming on the pod this morning. Hey, anytime. Uh, Marty, really appreciate you uh, doing these. Well, thanks. It's, 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 been, a, it's been a labor of love, but... Uh, Yep. This 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 great conversation. So thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Next up on Quick Hitters, Volume Number Six, is Dick Lean, uh, the well-traveled coach. And when I'm talking well-traveled coach, your your passport must be pretty heavy with ink stains uh, throughout throughout it. Uh, Belgium, Denmark, Austria, Minnesota. Um, Middle the the Middle East, uh, Wyoming, Wisconsin, uh, Missouri with uh, Drury University, Czech Republic, uh, University. Just what a journey! Um, and Coach, uh, I, I met Coach here. A little bit of background here. I met Coach up at Snow Valley a couple weeks ago, and he is he has uh, written a book uh, called A Coaching Journey. It's in the file cabinet, and and what it is is it is a uh, it is a an anthology, I guess would be the best way to describe it, um, of about three hundred plus pages of of what I call on on my website, you know, one page handouts, and it is just terrific, terrific information. Uh, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, uh, and, and you can just tell through through coaches. Uh, style and the way that he put together the book uh that that it, it's it's just a great great resource uh for for anybody that truly is a, a coach here and and coach presented it to us up at uh up at snow valley and i wanted to give him an opportunity to talk about it and i wanted to give folks an opportunity to learn about this book uh because i i, I would not plug it if i didn't think it was really really good and i think it's really really good so uh coach dick lane how are you doing this morning I'm doing great. Thank you for uh, for having me on. I uh, appreciate the. Uh, it's almost like like a eulogy that you just uh, gave me on the, on the book. I appreciate that. Well, let's uh, let's stay away from eulogies for a while here. So, <laughs> uh, so so uh, title of the book and 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 before we got on, we were talking marketing styles here. Uh, a coaching journey. It's in the file cabinet. Finding a better way. Um, so, coach, um, I, I thought your story was fascinating at Snow Valley. Uh, just tell us the, the impotence for, for putting together this uh, for putting together this book, how you came about it, how you put it all together. Just kind of fill in folks about uh, your career and, and, and 
how it's gotten to this point where hopefully with the help of this podcast you're going to be on the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> well, we've got a, I'm from uh, Minnesota. We've got a t- we've got a town in Minnesota called New York Mills. I think I'm more likely to be on the New York Mills bestseller than the New York <laughs> Times. But uh, but as far as in answer to your to your uh, question, uh I've coached for uh, almost six decades, and, and during that time, from beginning to end, I've always been a collector. Uh, my wife would call me a hoarder, which is probably more accurate. But I always collected things that uh, that I saw that I thought would help me in coaching and down the line, and just little, just just things of, of, from all different walks of life, basically, mostly from the coaching world, about different sports and so forth, different different coaches, and, and I. I threw this stuff into a, into a file cabinet, uh, a big file cabinet, and uh, it kind of sloppily uh, organized and it organized it all. And uh, I did this for, for decades, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, during the, this, uh, this awful pandemic that we've uh, experienced, uh, I, I had the time and I thought, so I thought I looked at this thing and with the help of my wife, uh, encouraging me to go through that and, and do something with it. And so I, I did, and uh, my first thought was, I'll go through it, and it'll, it'll make a great uh, trash dump. And uh, <laughs> with the idea of just kind of getting, just kind of getting rid of it, really. Uh-huh. And as I, as I as I got into it, I found just so many things that I liked myself, and mm-hmm. things that I did not know was in there, things that uh, I didn't remember uh, uh, putting in there in the file cabinet, and and uh, you know things that uh, I thought that I liked. I thought maybe any other. Uh, Maybe other coaches and other people would would enjoy as well, and so as I as I got in there, this this academy, I I found uh, all sorts of different things, and I, and I thought, well, I'm going to put this into what I thought earlier. But first of all, I put put it into the, you know a manual style, uh-huh. and so I I uh, you know typed it up and uh, and uh, you know I had it my own printer. I'll, I'll just I'll just print it myself with the, with the printer I've got. So I. So I, I tried that, and, and uh, it was uh, it was just a uh, a real a real exercise in futility. Uh, I, I I did uh, about ten copies, a kind of prototypes, and I used a, a, a coil binder, and, and I bust I bust about more reams of seven hundred fifty page uh, uh, reams of paper from Walmart, in, in, in they sell in weeks there to get this out of the week. Yeah, you, you've got ink issues, you've got uh, the two-sided issues when you're with the printer and the jams. But anyway, I got, I got these these uh, uh, these copies done and uh, by the time I got through, the, the copies were about 17, 18 bucks a piece, you know. Yeah. And so I said, well, this, this isn't going to work. And so I'm, I'm cooked. You know, I've, got, I've got these. That's nice. I've got these. And, uh, so on, so on, so forth. But then... Uh, then someone put me up, uh, put me onto uh, uh, KDP with Amazon, mm-hmm. and where you where you can self publish. Uh, you you uh, you don't need an editor. You you proof your own work and do all this. So so I I got in touch with them, and that that wasn't easy. they they it was described to me as being easy, but it wasn't easy either because. Uh, uh, I had to get, uh, you know, I, I did all the work on my computer, uh, so I typed all the pages, but I needed to have the, have the pages uh, uh, to their specifications and uh, and so on and so forth. And then, but finally, I got I got it uh, 
it all put together and uh, all these little things that I've had all throughout the years and, and the, actually, actually I said if, if I had these five years ago I could have won some games with this stuff if I remembered I was in the pocket <laughs> you know but, but anyway uh, I, I, the, I got this, this manuscript script ready as the best I thought so and then you, you just push the button and you punch the button on your computer and uh, within, a, within a half second uh, your manuscript has been uploaded and it's been successfully uploaded well it was uploaded in a month, you have 56 errors on your on the manuscript, and so as well now, well I'm cooked again. You know I I, I can't. Uh, what what am I going to do with this? But I did call Amazon, and they were real they were real helpful. They said the guy there says, well let me work with it for a while, and I'll get back. Well he did a half hour got back. He got he got 55 six errors. Uh, Taken care of, and a lot, and most of them were, were marginal errors in the margins that, mm-hmm. that had gone too far. So he was able to to, to readjust that uh, on his end. But there was one that he couldn't do anything with, and it had to do with diagrams. I used a software called called Astro that uh, that do the diagrams, and they were outside the margins of the, that they were that they needed to use with with KDP. And so he gave me instructions on how to. Redo that, and, and of course, I, I I couldn't follow that, so I ended up doing redoing a portion of the book and uh, and read 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 diagramming it, read rewriting it, and so forth. But finally, I did the same thing. I, I got ready. I pushed the button. It says your manuscript has been uh, has been successfully uh, uploaded, and uh, then I got another uh, email in about uh, maybe a half hour, and said uh, your your book has been. Uh, uh, successfully uh, published, and it will be on Amazon uh, and Monday. And this was like a like a Friday when I was talking to him. So uh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I was uh, uh, I was on Amazon, and uh, that's kind of the, the, the thumbnail the thumbnail s- the sketch of how this this came about. And uh, and anyway, you know, when I when I wrote it, I, I was or put it together. I didn't, I didn't write, I'm not, I actually, I'm not an author. I just collected this stuff from, from all these years of, of coaching and sure. being around coaches and being around kids and so mm-hmm. forth. And so I, I really, I really was almost embarrassed by the first copy uh, for two reasons. Number one, I had no idea whether anyone other than myself would, would be interested in this type of thing. I bounced it off a couple of people. In fact, a friend of mine who, who coached at <laughs> UTEP and who was professor at uh, an English professor who had written books uh-huh. uh, at uh, at New Mexico State. He was there, and he 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 kind of said, "Well, it's kind of interesting, but I just don't know. I just can't quite figure it out." He said, "What what what's gonna, who's going to who's going to read it?" And, uh, and so, but uh, so I was I was, and then the other thing was uh, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of friends who are who are deep into the uh, into the the technical part of the game, and this, and this is not. It's got it's got uh, technical things like uh, uh-huh. how to uh-huh. how shooting and offensive things and, and that type of thing, defensive things. But it's not real. It's not really in depth, uh, hardcore basketball uh, X's and O's. And so uh-huh. I was a little, a little embarrassed about uh, introducing the book to those to my friends that, that way, and just had no idea if anybody would would really really enjoy it. And plus the fact that once I got once I got it, the first copy, copies, author copies sent to me, and I went over it because yeah, I had proofed it. But uh, you know, just like proofing anything, you can read it there. I can anyway. I can read it 
10 times. And then on the 11th time, I'll find an error of, of uh, punctuation, spelling, mm-hmm. grammar that I, that I didn't find the first to 10 times. And so, and, and I was in the, when it first came out, I was real, I was kind of, I was kind of embarrassed. Uh, well, not that kind of, I was embarrassed by all the, all the different errors and stuff that were in things that should have been, should have been said differently, uh, to things that just, just didn't fit right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, uh, but Amazon here, uh, KDP and Amazon, they uh, allow you to replenish the book. So I went back and I went through and changed all those things I could think of, uh, I could saw, I saw the book and then had it re, had it, had it republished. Well, mm-hmm. that was better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, then I found just, just other things and, and plus I finally, I added an index to the, to the, what ended up being the third, the third replenishment or the third edition, so to speak, of the book. And so, and then it, uh, it, it went on Amazon and, uh, you know, I, I, I started talking to people about it and uh, I went to uh, events that to youth, youth coaching events and, and, the, the, and I got a, I got a pleasant response from, from, uh, the book. And uh, so it's been, it's been uh, a lot of fun and you, you, you don't make a lot of money on that, but that's not the, that's not the, the, the object here. And so, uh, to date, it was great. And then we, we went to, uh, uh, Snow Valley, I, I, what, what, what got me to Snow Valley really was uh, I'd sent a copy to Don Showalter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he liked it. He liked it. And, and then he invited me to come to, to Snow Valley when I had a, a chance. And it worked out that uh, in, I went back to Minneapolis to a, to a, a big AU basketball event. And, and I, I with my little car table and was able to... To, to, to sell books there, and then I went from there right down to Snow Valley. And one of the reasons I went to Snow Valley was I wanted to make sure I was able to, to pay for the trip well, because, I, because 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 as a as a as a poor as a poor book uh, book salesman, uh, I didn't think I could pay for the trip unless I doubled up with uh, with Snow Valley. And, uh, and ironically, at Snow Valley, uh, Don said, "Did you bring some books?" And I said, well, I did, actually, I did bring books. He says, great. He says, uh, uh, we've got a coaches meeting. Uh, it was, it was the second day we were there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to introduce, uh, I'm going to introduce uh, you and tell a few, tell the coaches. And I must have all make, uh, cause you were there. It must have been 50 coaches, 40 coaches. There. Yeah. 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 Probably and, 40 uh, to 50. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, uh, and he introduced me and he, he introduced the book and, uh, he says, I like this book. And the moment he said I liked the book, uh, everybody, not everybody, but, uh, but a lot, I got, I got all kinds of people coming up to me wanting to buy the book. Mm-hmm. And we gave it, we gave a little discount at the, at the coaching, uh, at the Snow Valley camp. And so it was, it was really, it was really interesting. And, but it, but it, it was, it was a, a somebody with who Don Schuller is, is a national name in USA basketball. But him saying that all of a sudden everybody else liked it. Before they saw it, and yeah. so there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, uh, action with the, with the book there. So it was it was a lot, it was a lot of fun, yeah. so, as was Snow Valley actually. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the story to date. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, one of the things that you brought up was, you know, you you bounce the idea off of uh, some of your basketball coaching friends that are really into the X's and O's and the technical part of the game. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it's not a, an X's and O's. There's, it's not an X's and O's manual. Um, there's X's and O's in it, but it, there's not, it, it's not a, 
you know, 300 pages of that. But I think, uh, in my opinion, Dick, is that's the strength of the book. Because I think uh, sometimes as, as, as coaches, we get so obsessed with um, the, the X's and O's. And, and it's obviously that's important because we have to function out on the court. Uh, but what I love about your book is, is it, it, it truly gives you uh, the the thirty thousand foot view of what coaching is and should be, and the lessons that you're teaching along the way, um, the perspectives you should have, and and that's the thing that that I enjoyed. And again, the the, the thing, and it, you know, maybe I'm just maybe my brain's changing just as much as my teenage kids' brains are changing. I love I love the 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 small snippets the you know here here's one page boom on this you know here's here's a quick hitter on 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 this or that and and that's that's the part of it that that I really like is 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 that is is it, it's just it's it's just a great overview it's a great perspective of 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 a guy who who knows what he's talking about and who has put together a, a lot of quality material that is going to help develop the whole coach, not just the motivational coach, not just the X's and O's coach, not just the organized coach or the analytical coach. It's got a little bit of everything in there for everybody, and that's what I really like about it. Well, and then, you know, the 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 book actually is just what was in the, the file cabinet. Is what, it, you know, what, what came out of the file cabinet is what, Went into the book and it, it, so it, it it is it kind of it kind of the old say it is what it is so to speak and, mm-hmm. and I was I've always been really really big on, on inspiration and motivation and how other coaches uh, 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 react to their teams react to their their circumstances of winning and losing and, how, and so there's there's things in the book like coaches talking to their teams before they play the game talking to their teams after they play the game win or lose and uh, and there's there's and the, the motivation things are, are the most important to me. And, and like and you have kind of illustrated uh, what other people have said to me that they like the it's the like the the, the short. Uh, it's not a, it's not a heavy read. Uh, it's it's a, the, the short page by page things, and there's some a really interesting interesting things. And, and just uh, I've got about. Coach Bennett from Virginia, where he, he talks about, I can't think of the title of, his, of, of what I, how it was titled, but he talks about the experience of losing to the to the worst the, the worst team or the last team in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And he says, and he says, think of this. He says, oh, six days ago we had just won the ACC. I, I read that just yesterday. And so- and then we and we won the NCAA. Uh, we won the ACC conference tournament and six days later we get beat by maryland eastern shore uh, or the maryland team uh, that was in there and we're getting death threats we've mm-hmm. got to have a, we've got to have a, a police escort out of the arena and uh, and the hotel and i'm and his, and his statements, I'm, I'm just thinking about what are these kids thinking about after what they've been through or, for the season now we're 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 having a police escort out of out of the arena because we didn't win. Yeah. So I thought that was that was pretty that was pretty dramatic, pretty and, and uh, you know makes just just brings home the point as to just all the all the things that go into coaching, really. Yeah. You know? 
I, uh, I, I just flipped to that page because, like I said, I just read that yesterday, uh, and I'll read this, this segment of it really quick. He says, uh, pra- praise and blame are the opposite side of the coin, and the team had experienced this at many levels. Not many young people have had this depth of experiences in the sporting world. The number one seed in the NCAA tournament, number two uh, winning the ACC regular season championship, and then winning the ACC conference tournament. Being the toast of the town, and then five days later, we are getting death threats and being shamed. Processing all of that is challenging it kind of forced the team to decide what they were going to do what were our unconditionals the gift of that humility the umbc loss and adversity was probably something i am not sure we could have gotten any other way it is not the way i would have chosen it it sucked it really did but it was worth it and yeah so there's there's just tidbits and stories like that all throughout the book um and so i I, like i said i can't wait to uh really you know Take the mega dive and read it from. I've I've just kind of been picking it up and reading it five and pages five and ten pages at a time. Just kind of I'm going to start at page two hundred or whatever it may be. So I'm looking forward to that, uh, Coach. How how would uh, people uh, order this book? Well, the, the 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 best way to order it, it is on Amazon. Okay. So if it can be ordered, it can be ordered through Amazon and. Uh, and if you've got Amazon, if you've got Amazon Prime shipping, you can get you can get it, you can save your shipping on that. So uh, that's that's probably the best way to, uh, to order the book is is through Amazon. If, if someone would want to get in touch with me uh, regarding uh, ordering, I can <clears throat> I can help them out too because I do have a certain number of copies that I have here at the, at the house, so to speak. And so. Uh, uh, Yes, but but Amazon is, is probably the easiest way to, to order. Okay, and so you just uh, again the title of the book, a coaching journey. It's in the file cabinet, uh, a Dick Lean collection, and and Lean is spelled L I E N. So uh, when when you're looking it up on Amazon, uh, that's uh, that's a great place to start there. And uh, you know, like I said, coaches, uh, this is this is a really 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 good book. Uh, you're going to get so much practical coaching information on on so many subjects in this, and and I have really enjoyed uh, just just scratching the surface on it the last week or so. And uh, you know, coach, I, I just can't thank you enough for putting this together because I think it's a great work. Well, I appreciate that, I and mean, I certainly appreciate you getting in touch with me and then having me on your on your uh, your, your broadcast here. I appreciate that. Uh, just one, well, just one thing. One other thing that I just to add regarding the book, regarding the, the putting of the book. I think I think one of the one of the big things coaches can do, and, and what are remembered, are the stories they tell. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, you know, uh, the, if you, uh, in fact, I've, I've, if I, the stories that are in this book are not mine, but I take them and I've used them with with our team as, as if they were as if they were mine. Mm-hmm. That's called some sort of plagiarism, but. Uh, uh, the, the stories that the stories that you tell that are, that, that are pertinent to what the players are going through, they will re- remember those stories ten years from now at the reunion. But they will not re- remember the offense they ran uh, tomorrow, which you told them yeah. <laughs> today. You know, so, but uh, uh, that that was one of the big the big things was to was to create a, a a number of stories that coaches could use in their own circumstances and uh, and. Uh, uh, People have said that to me that they've they've enjoyed that that aspect of the uh, of the book, and in, and the book the book what is is a reality the, the reality is what what uh, was in the file cabinet 
came out of the file cabinet and it went right into the book. And there was no, I didn't, I didn't add things that weren't in the book, weren't in this file cabinet. So it's kind of an authentic. The title is pretty authentic as to what the what the the, uh, the uh, genesis of the of, this, of the book. Well, and you got to satisfy your wife because then you could finally clean out the file cabinet. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's the best yeah. thing. So, the, Coach, the problem is the, the problem is the file cabinet is, is uh, I'm, I'm starting to, to, to work on the on the on the next chapter in the file cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, I would love to see a sequel. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Uh, Coach, Coach Dick Lean, uh, thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast today. And like I said, coaches, I really encourage you to check out this book. Uh, Coach, thanks so much for your time today. It's all my pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. A Pen and a Napkin University is a series of courses designed to help any coach at any level to hone their craft in the offseason, starting the first full week of July to help develop your coaching skills. Four courses are Personal Growth and Development, Building Your X's and O's Philosophy, Building Your Program, and Fundamentals and Drill Work. Each course is seven weeks long with a new topic each week to dive into. The best thing about a pen and a napkin university is its flexibility. You can sign up for a weekly topic, an entire course, or the entire program. It's whatever fits your schedule and your budget. To register for one or all 28 topics, go to apenandanapkin.com. This week's topic is Basketball Analytics. So be sure to sign up for our university program today. Next up on our Quick Hitters podcast is Adam Stolzer, the head boys basketball coach at Burwell High School in Burwell, Nebraska. Coach, happy as heck to have you on the on the uh, Quick Hitter pod this week. Uh, how are things going out there, man? Hey, things are going good. We wrapped up summer summer conditioning, summer shooting, all that stuff. So um, totally honored to be on here and and talk hoops here before we kick off the school year. Yeah, it should be good. Hey, you know, literally kicking off the school year. We were talking before we recorded here. We're, we're both starting next week. So, um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's time to do this again. But, hey, let's get after it. I guess my paycheck will appreciate being gainfully hey, employed. So We're one day closer to basketball season, so I'm happy. <laughs> I did see somebody put on, on Twitter uh, that it's less than 100 days till college basketball starts. So could happier. Yeah. So there you have it. So uh, if I think it was like November third, so we'll start. I can't remember our exact start date, but it'll probably be around November fifteenth. So we're looking at let's call it one hundred and ten days ish before we start practice. So it'll be here before we know it. Yes, it will. Yeah. So well, let's dive into uh, what uh, what you want to talk about here tonight. Um, Huddle and 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 a lot of us here, most of us here in Nebraska use Huddle, and it's in you know a lot of people around the country. But w- whatever your uh, film uh, program of choice is, you guys do a lot with Huddle, uh, with teaching and scouting and self scouting and all that type of stuff. So, what do you guys use out there at Burwell uh, to help improve your team and prepare your team for competitions and so forth and so on? How do you guys use film within your program? Yeah, so. Um, first off, I'm a big proponent of huddle, um, you know, in Lincoln, Nebraska here, I'm not paid by them. So this isn't a ad or <laughs> plug for them. You know, it's just something I've had a lot of success with, um, in our program. You don't, you don't have to lie. Every time you say huddle, you get $10, <laughs> you're supplementing the yeah. income. You're, you're, you're a good teacher. You're making the side hustle here. I get it. <laughs> but, um, no. So early on in my career, I just, we never had a plan or a purpose when it came to to film and how we were going to watch it. We used to just probably throw on the tape and 
have a couple notes to talk about. Hey, let's go watch, you know, from the 10 minute mark to 20 minute mark or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've started doing the past couple of years is using the highlight feature on Huddle. And, you know, I'll watch however many games I watch. I'll create highlights. Mm-hmm. And then I create that highlight for if we're playing Ord that night. Mm-hmm. Then it's about a five minute video. And um, film sessions can get long if we don't have a plan. Yeah. Film sessions can get boring if we and a waste of time if we don't have a purpose with them. And creating this highlight, I could easily send it out to our kids on our group me chat. Um, so we'll include anything from blobs, sets, um, an overall offensive philosophy. Um, if they do anything weird on defense, we'll maybe include that. Or if a player does something. Um, no, like there was one time we played a kid who he was really good going from his right to left on a crossover so we included a couple of clips on that but i guess for me just creating that highlight having huddled to where i can send it to players it has a purpose and it's shortened to the point mm-hmm. do, do you uh do you include some notes with that or uh yep. you know how do you how do you narrow their focus or they're just looking at it going okay there's a bunch of basketball uh, how do you how do you guys narrow that focus yeah, so you know we'll break it off into sections with like title slides, like here are their blobs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I give them a typed up sheet um, of the personnel with some notes. And then it comes out to be about 10 bullet points of what they should be looking for in the, the video itself. You know, how are they guarding ball screens if they're, you know, we do a lot of ball screen stuff. Or, hey, what are their top three blobs, or et cetera, et cetera. So, again, comes back to here's what I want the guys to look at. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give them too much. Um, John Farella, uh, earlier this week of the Husker uh, recap for practice, he goes, if you think, you stink. So we don't want to give them too much to think about, but we want to give them enough to give them a competitive advantage mm-hmm. when that time comes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, how else, uh, do you guys, you know, you send that to your guys, um, is it, you know, like the, what's your timing with that? Is it the, the night before the game? Is it a couple of days out? When do you begin that process? Sure. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. So, um, for us, Wednesdays are always a film day for us, no matter what. Um, we only have one gym at Burwell, so we only get a practice for an hour and a half that day. And then we spend 30 minutes watching film. So if we play on a Friday, that video is going to be to the kids by Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. And then we're going to watch it and talk about it together at film on Wednesday. And then we always watch film the day before a game. So for us, if we're playing Friday, Saturday, we're going to have film on Wednesday, Thursday. If it's Tuesday, Friday, we're going to have film three days that week where it's Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um so that Wednesday's our big film day. The other days are kind of just shorter. Um, but again, you know, we may watch this same five-minute video multiple times over and over again of, hey, this is what they like to do in transition. You know, in the half court, they really like down screens, like Ravana. You know, Paul Baronic, they're still running his stuff with a million down screens and mm-hmm. curl great cuts. You know, we watch a lot of those things, but we might watch it two or three times that week just depending on when the games line up. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you keep those sessions fresh? You know, because you get, you know, you get to, and it's just like with anything in mid-January, you know, yeah. you're, you're, the, the, the newness of the season is over. 
you're not close to the postseason and the the holy grail. So so what are some things that you guys have done to keep those film sessions fresh? Um, captain led occasionally, uh, and then at, asking questions. You know, if we send that out early, our expectation is as you're watching that video before you get into the classroom, then you're going to watch it again. So we may lead with questions um, on that. Um, we've talked about some other things, but really the best is when we have captains go up there and they kind of lead it. Um, I talked to them ahead of time, like, Hey, you know, uh, what did you see during the film when you were looking at it, when I sent it out, um, different things like that. But yeah, January, especially for us, you know, there's a stretch where we play five games in nine days, NBA type. Mm -hmm. And that gets really, really tough on us. Um, especially where it's, you're watching film over and over again. And that's where I think, you know, the freshness aspect of it is, they know when we go in there, we're not going to be sitting there for 45 minutes to an hour watching film. We're going to watch the short thing. We're going to talk about it, um, hit on different things every time. Um, and it's short and sweet and to the point, um, but I think it's really effective. Mm-hmm. How much How much of those uh, responsibilities do you uh, delegate to your assistants? You know, is it, uh, or is it all you? You know, how do you guys handle it as a staff? Sure, yeah, so... Uh, for me, I normally I, since I've been here, I've had one uh, full time assistant, and then I've had a volunteer assistant a couple of years. I've been here for six years, um, and I'm the only one that's in the school. And my assistants are uh, community members that work full time jobs. So, what their role is is they'll watch film, and then they'll be like, "Hey, go to the 14 minute mark of the Fullerton game, and go take a look at. It. I think we need to include that in the scouting report." Or, "Hey, I saw this blob." You know, in this game, once you go, but for the most part, I'm I'm doing it all uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to our scouting reports. You know, they'll text me some things here and there, or mm-hmm. we'll talk about some things at practice. Um, but just in our situation, being a D1 school, um, I do most of that work, and I really enjoy doing it. You know, that's kind of, the scouting report for me is my opportunity to compete and put the kids in the best position as possible, giving them the right amount of information uh, to be successful. Yeah, that's uh, something you know, when when I started my new job, I knew I had to delegate more. Uh, uh-huh. but, that, but that was one that I just, I can't, I can't give it up. I just got to feel like when I'm on that sideline, if I'm going to really talk to our kids, um, I gotta, I gotta know what I'm talking about. I gotta be able to make those adjustments on the fly because you know, you know just as well as I do, uh, seconds, literally seconds, will matter when you're making adjustments and making decisions. And so I want to have, you know, that information to help put our kids in the best situation that we possibly can. That's just me, and I know other coaches see it in different ways, and that's cool. But that's just me. So, um, yeah, wh- go ahead. You know, I was just going to say, you know, we use the film a lot, but I think where Huddle really kind of sets themselves apart is with the tagging of the data and the analytics that they give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and that goes to self-scout and opponent scout. I mean, you can create a shot chart for another team on pencil and paper, um, but, you know, they give you a lot of statistics that come with it. And we use a lot of the statistics where and I know there's a million different platforms to use stats um, and do all that but i think huddle does a really good job I mean, they'll give you lineups and like some of our bigger games when we have more time to repair like we're really looking like okay when they sub this kid in and we've tagged their game or the fellow coaches tagged the game um you know what's their lineup do do you know does their pace of play slow down do their possessions 
change? Are they shooting more threes and all of that? So, you know, if, if coaches aren't using the tagging data, I think that's a really valuable thing to when you use one scout yourself. But if you do get that for opponents or if you take the time to tag the data, there's a lot of information that you can get. You know, that's not on max preps and not everybody puts their stuff on max preps. Sure. Yeah. Um, so let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Um, yeah. and, and God help us, this one might, might turn into uh, not a quick hitter, but a long hitter if we <laughs> if we go <laughs> in the wrong direction here. What um, what are the two or three uh, key things as you're looking at these these things on Huddle? Uh, what are the two or three things that you can, you know pretty consistently zero in on that are important to you and your scouting philosophy? And what you're looking for in the other team, you know, rebound margin, uh, plus my, you know, whatever yeah. it may be. What 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 are the two or three things that you're really zeroing in on on a consistent basis? Yeah. So our three, we have five game goals, but three of them that are the most analytically driven are one points per possession. Mm-hmm. Um, then we look at turnover percentage, not turnover number, but the actual percentage. I'll kind of mm-hmm. get in why I percentage. And then the defensive board percentage. And again, that's yeah. all stuff that Huddle does. And we we tag during the game so we can look at these every quarter and they help make our decisions and they help our kids and they help us know, okay, what's not working. So points per possession, our magic number is uh, 0.9 points per possession. Now, yeah. for us, like 70 wins since I've been here. Um, have been when we're above 0.9 so that's our magic number but so if we're in the middle of a game and things aren't going how we want or we need to stretch a lead then we take points per possession and we look well are we getting to the free throw line because you know that's that's telling us are we attacking the hole mm-hmm. are we getting the ball in the heart um are we getting post touches paint touches etc cetera, etc cetera. those are easy way to get high points per possession okay mm-hmm. yep are we three Etc. stuff. So that takes it from there. Um, turnover percentage. The way the reason I like to look at percentages as opposed to just, hey, let's have a game goal. Uh, let's not turn it over fifteen times. Yeah. Well, we all have those opponents on our schedule where the Jimmy Weeks of the world, the Tino Martinez, where they're like, let's make this a meat grinder. Let's slow it down. And four turnovers versus them is like twelve versus somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we look at the turnover percentage because we like to try to play fast we know that some turnovers are going to happen um, so we look at that turnover percentage and what i like about huddle is once we figure out hey we've turned it over 14 percent of the time we can when we're looking at our stats we can click on that and it'll go show us every turnover from that game mm-hmm. just just those clips so it's easy then to teach our kids all right hey we had a lot of turnovers this game where are they coming from? Are they coming off of footwork? Are they coming off of passing? Are we just getting the ball stolen from us? Mm-hmm. Uh, but turnover percentage. Yep. And then D-board percentage, like I said, the defensive board, again... Same thing like turnover percentage. Yeah, yep. and I think some coaches, we really lock in on, well, get the offensive rebound. Let's have eight offensive rebounds tonight. Well... What if you're getting a lot of steals or the other team's making a lot? There's not going to be as many opportunities for the offensive the offensive rebound. So that percentage, I think, gives a little bit clearer picture of are we, one, D 
defensive rebounding well? And then are we also, if we beat them in the defensive board percentage, that probably means we're getting more offensive rebounds as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the percentage thing, and, and we went, you know, we've had that, and, and everybody does it differently. Uh, we went with, uh, we want to get, uh, for our standard for a long time was we wanted 58% of all rebounds. Uh, we didn't necessarily divide it up into offense and defense. We just said 58% of all rebounds. Uh, and then we did the turnover percentage too. Now I've kind of changed that with my current team. And I, and, and I don't know if you've done this before coach or not, but we're right now, we are not a great rebounding team, no matter what we do. Um, uh-huh. you know, we just, you know, we, we have to be adequate, but what we can control better with our current group is our turnover percentage. And so we've kind of changed that to where we've lowered it to like 53 or 54% is our goal. Um, uh-huh. but then we, but then we lowered the turnovers because we feel like, okay, if, if we're playing smaller with, with four guards, okay, we've got to counteract that percentage with, uh, protecting the ball better, and we should protect the ball better in theory with with four guards out there, uh, and so that's how we're going to, you know, balance that thing out and still try to end up with that same uh, number of quality percentage uh, per, uh, possessions and and being efficient at both ends of the floor. Does that make sense? Yes, I totally agree with you know. It all comes back to what are you okay sacrificing when you play? You know, mm-hmm. if if you're going to play smaller. You know, you're probably maybe not going to get as many rebounds, but you're going to take care of the ball more because you have more guards. Whereas, like us, we play three guards and two posts with our offense where I'm hoping that we get more rebounds, but we might turn it over more because we only have three guards out there that we want handling the ball consistently. Not that we don't want everybody to handle the ball. We we train them that. But, you know, everything that you play, you have a give and take of what you're okay sacrificing to gain somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's and that's just you finding the bright spots with your team and putting your kids in the best situation that you possibly can. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, last thing, real quick here, let's talk about self scouting and, and what are some ways that you guys you kind of alluded to it a little bit with like the turnover thing, but what are some ways that you guys use huddle and, and film to self scout? Yeah. So um, again, I I'm big on the creating the highlights because if we're struggling with a certain action in our offense we can create some highlight clips um and then make one video and then that could just be our focus that day where maybe we spend five minutes before practice technically starts on the court of watching that certain action talking about it breaking it down and then go applying those skills on the practice court um and you know huddle makes it easy with you know let's go look at all of our twos all of our threes or um, I'm sure a lot of people know it. You can create custom tags with Huddle. Mm-hmm. So as you're watching film, you know, hey, this is our down screen. This is our blur. This is a whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you can go look at just those clips, save them, and go from there. So we do that. Um, it's also really good for like one on ones where, you know, we try to have like a one on one with a kid, you know, before Christmas break. Um, right around February, which for us would be right after our conference tournament. Um, those are like our two checkpoints. And then we have some at the end of the year. But, you know, we can go say, hey, this game was really good. Let's go watch some clips of it. What was really good about it? Okay, now let's go watch a, um, a different 
uh, clip of a game where it wasn't so good. And, you know, what was happening there was, you know, something going on. Um, was, a, was a player doing something to you that you haven't seen before? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, like, if you have a really good player that teams try to do different stuff to nightly, then that's a good way of, okay, when this kid was full out denying you, what did you do that you had success with? And what did you do that didn't have success? And, okay, next game they double teamed you. So this makes it really easy, I think, to go through and watch certain clips with kids. Um creating that and then statistically you know um helping to be objective when it comes to minutes and playing time um you can go look at some different statistics like how do your lineups look up with certain kids in it um yep you know huddle has a vps which they call the uh uh, the value point system which essentially is like a player's plus minus or like their total one stat to show how they help the team and maybe you have that kid who they don't score a ton but they do everything else for you and it validifies why they're in the lineup because you know their number is ahead of other kids not saying that's a end-all be-all but it's just another tool to get our best kids out there um statistically um and another thing rather than just what you see with the eye yeah yeah, and I think if you have that analytic data that the the numbers don't lie, so if you know you inevitably you're dealing with the situation of how come I'm playing six minutes and Jimmy's playing sixteen, I, I think I could play you know and then well you know here's your plus minus here's his plus minus and you know the whole game is about plus and minus here so it's nothing against you Billy but Jimmy's at plus forty and you're at minus ten and. You know, there's, you know, that, and you don't want to, you're, you're not picking on the kid, uh, but it just helps you justify your decisions and helps you kind of see beyond the eye test to, to, to make those decisions. And, and, oh God, I didn't realize Billy was giving us that much, but I guess he is, you know, and, and I think that's just a great thing that, you know, the tools that we have with, with Huddle is just unbelievable to help put our teams in the best situation we possibly can. Yes, for sure. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to watch film, a lot of different ways to take numbers. And I think the biggest thing is, and hopefully people from this podcast just get, is come up with a plan of how you're going to watch film, come up with a plan of how you're going to use it. And same with data. You know, I'm a math teacher, a numbers guy, so I like to try to find every little pattern or everything I can. Um, but I think video and stats are a piece of the puzzle of successful teams and if you can figure out a plan to use those, um, that's only going to help your team. I don't think it hurts your team mm-hmm. if you find what works for you. Yeah. Yeah, if you do that and finding that sweet spot of having that data but not having too much data. Like you said, uh, what was the saying that the guy had? And it's it, this, I'm, this tells you how old I am. You said it 12 minutes ago, and I can't remember what it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was John Brella from the Huskers. If you, you think, think you stink. stink. Yeah, there it is. Yep, there it is. So... And we'll end on that one, if you think you stink. So, uh, Adam Stolzer, head boys basketball coach at Burwell High School. Uh, coach, hey, good luck with the start of the school year. Good luck with the, the football season out there. And, and, and let's lay, what, 110 days till we tip it off at practice here. So, uh, I'm sure we'll talk to each other between now and then. But thanks so much for coming on the pod, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Coach. Wishing nothing but the best with your uh, new adventure. Um, and just thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. 
Last and certainly not least on this week's Quick Hitter podcast is Craig Doty, the head men's basketball coach at Emporia State University. Coach, how you doing this fine Friday afternoon? Uh, doing great, Marty. I appreciate it. Uh, good time in Chicago. Got to de-stress a little bit, spend some time with the family. Uh, always important to get away. Yeah, you know, this is the last week, and, you know, I talked to my staff, too. I, I mandated that they left the office as well. Um, this is kind of the last week for us until until a short Christmas break. So I wanted uh, I wanted our staff to go see family, be with family, and uh, get the batteries recharged for, uh, for the next four months. Yeah, yeah, the marathon. Not the sprint, it's the marathon. So... Um... Well, I, I, you know, I, I, we got a chance to meet face to face last week at the Nebraska Coaches Association Clinic, um, and and I was, you know, I've obviously I've been a big fan of yours on Twitter and and the stuff that you've done, uh, but I was really impressed more than anything with the X's and O's and all the other things. Just just your perspectives on on the lifestyle of coaching and and keeping that balance and and having that that work life uh, balance. To, to make sure that you're you're really good at your work, but you're also really good at life, and and so uh, let's just let's just start there. Kind of um, where did that perspective come from? How did you develop that? Um, you know, and, and what are kind of some key components that you think uh, guys and gals like us in this high stress profession uh, need to do to kind of keep that work life balance? It's a great topic to talk about, Marty, and it's one that you know I've had success with and I've struggled with at the same time. And I think uh-huh. a lot of coaches, especially especially when they're younger or, or as they transition uh, from being young to then having different responsibilities, you know, you can have less work balance. Uh, you know, when you're when you're up and coming, and you can focus your entire your entire day uh, and and week and month on your profession you know you see people go out to wall street and they're working 80 hour weeks because they want to get established and that's 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 not necessarily a bad thing you know a lot of people talk about mental health a lot of people talk about uh, you know not not overworking but but i also think there's a time and a place to be able to indulge and dive all in in what you're trying to do to establish yourself Mm -hmm. and that that's one side of the coin, and I and I'm going to talk less on that. I'll I'll talk more on, um, you know, once once things change in life, because you may go from being fresh out of college and 22, 23, 24 years old, and you don't have a spouse and you don't have children, but then things change pretty quickly. Yes, they uh, do. <laughs> for, for, for 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 some people, for not for all people, maybe 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 they don't you don't end up having a family, but for for many, for a majority. Uh, you will have a family. You will have a spouse, um, and in what a rewarding uh, experience and lifestyle uh, that is to live for somebody else. Um, and, um, and and I also think it's what we do on a daily basis with coaching is trying to to live and pour ourselves into others to help develop them. But when when you coach and you leave the office, there has to be some autonomy and some independence with your players uh, in high school, they go back to their families in college. They, they go back and they're becoming men and women, but with your own children and with your spouse uh, to, to be ever present, despite not always being home is really important. And, and, and how, how have I developed those, those skills 
Marty? Well, I would say, first off, I didn't have them. I'm, I'm once divorced. I, I moved my first wife out to the middle of Wyoming, 11 hours away from her twin sister. And um, it, uh, it it wasn't a really good experience. Part of it, and, and, and I, w- I would put a lot of the blame on myself just yeah. from, you know, I was working all day long. I was up early. I was home late. I was recruiting when I was home. I was on my phone too much. And, and that's because I was trying to land a recruit. That's because I was trying to trying to take the next step and help our program in the best way possible. But I disregarded, um, you know, the things, you know, I, 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 I shouldn't say disregarded, but I, I wasn't as focused and as good at being present when I was home as I should have been. Yep. Yep. And it's, um, it caused a lot of stress in our relationship. And, uh, um, you know, now today, as as I'm actually driving home from Chicago, Braylon is now 12 years old. And, you know, I have full custody of him. He's in Emporia with us, uh, with me and my new spouse all the time. And uh, and he's he's turned out to be a fine young man. Uh, uh, but on the remarry, on, uh, on, on, on a chance to do it again, yeah. uh, what, an opp- what, what an opportunity it was for me. Number one, I married a former athlete. Uh, she played uh, volleyball and softball in junior college and at Cardinal Stritch University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So she she really understood the lifestyle. But more important to that, Marty, is that I figured out how to focus attention on multiple things to to make sure I'm there and, 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 and can leave no stone unturned within the college basketball program that I'm coaching at. But at the same time, be ever present in the lives of my spouse and children. And I I, I think a lot of coaches will struggle with this because something has to give eventually. Is it going to be, is it going to be coaching? Is it going to be recruiting? Is it going to be your family? Well, I, what I say is just get more efficient with your time, plan Mm -hmm. better, um, hire great people to be around you because if you have awesome assistance and, and, and you are capable of delegating and putting in checks and balances to make sure things things are taken care of, then you set up success at the workplace, and you don't have to be present all the time for things to uh, to be successful. So now it's been it's been quite the journey on this, and I'm still a work in progress on on living present and and on work life balance. But um, I, I certainly am better than than who I was yesterday, and yeah. uh, I'll keep striving to be even better tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, you brought up so many good points, I don't even know where to start. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I, I can relate to the uh, being home, but not really being home. Like, there, there you know, especially with my previous job. Uh, I would kind of be staring off into the into you know the the nether regions, and my wife yeah. would my wife after a few seconds she'd be like, "Are you on offense or defense?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, I, I, yeah, we're on offense, and we're trying to we're trying to figure this or that out." Um, what are some What are some tips? Uh, let, let's Let's start with that point. Uh, what are some tips uh, that that you might have for for coaches who uh, to when you're home, you're home, um, and, I, and I think that's the that's a big phrase, and that's again something I had to to fight at times when my kids were younger. You know, to be home when I'm home. Uh, obviously, you have to do uh, part of your job at home, whether that's watching film or those type of things. But what are some some strategies that you have that okay, once you leave the office, you do your best to keep that work at the office or in the classroom, whatever your situation may be. Yes, that's a great question, Marty. For me, I, I carry a really non-traditional work schedule, and I work for the best boss ever, 
uh, in Kent Weiser at Emporia State. But I, I've had awesome bosses all along the way. My athletic directors have been great. They all, all of my athletic directors have had families of their own, and they all understand kind of how I operate. I'm not much of a morning guy. When I am up in the morning, I and part of it's because I'm I'm a night owl. I'm usually up until two, three in the morning. That's when I get most of my work done. Mm-hmm. And the reason I get my work done at that time is because I try not to focus. And, and and I try not to go all in on that on that work when I'm at home until my kids are in bed. Uh-huh. And because if you go all in on watching film, you know I can take recruiting calls and, and I can be active and be there for uh, you know our student athletes who who may reach out and have questions. That's not a problem. I can pick up my phone. But when you dive into film and to study. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's two, three hours sometimes. You're playing you a practice or something like it, that. Yes. In in any anything that you have to that needs to have your full attention for long periods of time, it's gonna get that and, and who's who's gonna be compromised and it's gonna be everybody else who's at home. So for me, number one, my day starts later in the office. So I try to spend time in the morning with my family. My wife does stay at home which we're fortunate of. So I get to spend time with my kids in the morning and I get to spend time with my, my wife in the morning. Uh, I, I do go into the office in uh, usually a little before noon or a little afternoon. And my workday oftentimes extends until six, seven o'clock on a traditional workday. Um, if, if it's a recruiting night, obviously that's different. We could be on the road and not be back until two in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or a road game for instance. But, um, you know, on a traditional workday, then we'll, let's say I get home at, at uh, seven o'clock well, it's from seven o'clock until my the awesome that a plan that my wife and I have in place is that we we let our kids go to bed later than most people allow their kids to go to bed. I have a three year old daughter uh, named Amory. I have a one year old daughter named Sienna, and, and of course the twelve year old son Braylon. Uh, Braylon goes to bed usually around ten thirty. The girls usually we start getting them down around ten o'clock p.m. That gives more time for me to spend time with them when I'm at home. Now, mm-hmm. how can my time be with them without distractions? Another tip that, that seems to work well is to, to do 30-minute play periods where the phone's in the other way, in, in the other room. So put your phone on a charger in your bedroom and go into the playroom and just be ever-present with your kids. Boy, that the, after that 30 minutes is, uh, is up, you just you feel recharged, you, you, you feel connected, and you feel like you're not missing time in their lives. It doesn't take a ton of time. You don't have to be a great parent and a great professional. You, you, you can't, you, you don't have the capability and you don't need to spend four straight hours every single day with your kids, just focusing solely on them without doing anything else. Mm-hmm. But you do have to have time throughout the day where it is just them and nothing else matters. If the phone rings, it's on silent. It, you know, it, the call will be there 30 minutes later or an hour later. And I try to have these impacts with them or impact hours if we can have them. If we can have a full hour where it's just focused on and we can do an impact activity or an impact hour, uh, I, I, I highly recommend reading the book, The Wealthy Gardener. They go into a ton of detail on these impact hours and impact activities and, uh, and, and, and how to just maximize your time with the people you love. And, uh, and that's what I try to do. Mm-hmm. How uh, how is how important is it to develop uh, at least one singular hobby outside of your profession? Just something where it's just like this is something that I can dive into and be passionate about. That is not 
you know, in our case, basketball, um, and and have that be a, a big part of your mental health regime to help, like you said, to to rejuvenate yourself. Well, I think I think this is a great question, and I think a lot of coaches get caught up on being so married to basketball and to coaching that they miss out on other opportunities. Mm-hmm. I I've you know when I and, and, and I say I say this stuff not to brag, but you know I was I was driving Mercedes at age twenty seven, and and then I bought the C class at age twenty nine, and I I've been investing. I've been doing a lot of things that most people my age and, and and most coaches, if you're just coaching, you'll never be able to do. But certainly when you're in your mid to upper twenties, you're not typically able to do. Well, how how is it possible? for a coach to be able to live a lifestyle that's, that's above, above coaching. And, and it's because you have passion in other, in other things and other, in other fields. And for me, I started a basketball camp company organ, uh, early on a Midwest league basketball. I started that when I was in college and that has blossomed and grown. And that has really helped support has really helped support my coaching career. And, and right now it's not, for me, that's not a ton of coaching. Now, I manage coaches on the road. I'm not running a lot of the camps, Marty. Yeah. We have college coaches around the country that do. But I, I run a business with my business partner. And there's there's a lot of, of staff management and, uh, and delegation and uh, financial management and, and logistics. There's a lot more that goes on. But it's, it's more than just that. We, we've had proper we, – we've ran a, a, a holding company where we've bought properties and, uh, and, and, and made some good money in real estate – um, we have we have uh, invested our money wisely, and, and we're we're heavy in the market. I'll probably be looking at the market on a given day for an hour and a half to two hours. Um, these are all hobbies, but they're also hobbies that have been lucrative for me, and, and and it allows my sole focus not to be in basketball. When your sole focus is in coaching and in basketball, and then you're having a tough time, whether whether you're you're not building the program as fast as you like or there's adversity, or you're losing games, that's an easy way to get the press and get down. Because if that's all you have, if that's where you're putting all of your eggs into that basket, uh, then, then I, you know, I, I, you talk mental health, I don't know how healthy that is. Yeah. If, if you have a, if you're interested in a lot of things, and money, a lot, of, a lot of coaches will say, boy, if I didn't coach, I don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. If I didn't, if I didn't coach, I, I I have a, a prospectus of fifty things that I could do, mm-hmm. and I would be very happy and satisfied moving in many of those different directions. So, mm-hmm. uh, I I highly recommend to all coaches that that yes, you have to focus on what you do, you have to focus on your team, but it comes down to balance, it comes down to efficiency. We're going to make sure that no stone is left turn uh, left unturned in the Emporia State University men's basketball program. That and that's sort of that's academically. That's with community service. That's with performance. That's with taking care of our student athletes. That's with being references for our guys and helping them with jobs and helping them get overseas pro contracts if if they are that level of player. But most importantly, it's it's helping them become future husbands and fathers and community members. And, and, and we're all in. Mm-hmm. But you can be all in if you are good at time management. You can be all in and have other focuses as well. And uh, I've I've had a lot of fun focusing on, uh, you know, I, I guess you can call them hobbies. Is investing a hobby? Sure, it's a hobby. Did you enjoy it? I enjoy, I really enjoy it. I just dropped my American Airlines uh, shares today. I think they're going to go down a little further, and then I'm going to buy back when it gets to 19. I'm really excited about that. How many college coaches out there are are actively trading in the market? I I, I don't know the answer. Uh, I, I I know a couple coaches are because I talk with them, but. 
I, I, I just recommend it. And, and the other thing is this, Marty, I think if you are well-rounded as a coach, your student-athletes will be well-rounded too because you can talk – I mean, student-athletes want to know about cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. They want to know about the stock market. They want to know what's going on in the world and how they can get a leg up and, and, and start investing and start you know, planning a business or starting a business early. These are all things we talk about with our players. Yeah. And when we talk about it, we can connect with them. And, and you know as well as I do, if you can connect with your student-athletes off the floor – you're going to have a whole different level connection on the floor and you're going to you're going to reap the benefits as a program. I have just decided not to let my financial advisor hear that section of the pod coach because he might get a little nervous that I might be shifting my funds over to you here so uh uh no I I I, I Jay don't worry I'm I'm still solid with you man we're we're okay so uh yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's. Uh, I, I think all of those things are important to find that thing. I think one of the things that I learned when when I set out uh, for two years was that there is life without basketball. I mean, I had gone twenty four straight winters, and it 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 was a it was a bit of an adjustment. But I was surprised how easily it was to adjust. To it now, there's always you know you you tend to come back to it and you always it seems like you know that 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 uh, itch is is hard not to scratch. Uh, but I was uh, perfectly content and I wasn't going to get back into this until I found uh, the situation I thought was really really good for me. And I think that sometimes, especially when we start out in this profession as young coaches, we think that. You know, if, if once we get enveloped into it, that this is the only thing that I can do, or this is the only uh, way that I can make a, a difference in people's lives, or whatever the motivation may be, there's there's so many things that you can do, and and sometimes you need to take a step back and realize the uh, the importance, or in actuality, the non-importance of taking this little round ball and and trying to put it in a artificially hung hoop that's 10 feet off the ground more than another group of people are trying to do. And, and when you kind of put it in that perspective, it, it does try, in my eyes, it, it, it kind of helps realize just how truly important this is in the whole big picture of things. Well, I, I like how you talk about the basket like that. And I do the same thing. I said, you know, how silly would it be if there wasn't life lessons in basketball because you got – you got guys in shorts and girls in sh- uh, shorts. And I guess the guys are guys used to wear short little shorts running around back in the eighties, and now uh, then <laughs> yeah. they got ba- then they got baggy. Now they're getting short again. So, but they're just running up and down the floor and throwing an orange ball through a hoop. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm, it, it really silly. But then you you look at the life lessons that that come along with teamwork and battling yep. adversity and patience and hard work and perseverance and and, and all the things that are that, that are put into running a successful athletics program and you see the power in the game of basketball and you see how it can impact and change others and and it impacts social mobility. I think that's the biggest thing I'm proud of. Is that you know when I when I coach and it's very intentional when you're a college coach what your roster looks like. Yeah. If if you have a team of all middle upper class kids that look the exact same way, that's that's intentional. It may focus and in, in, in work best for your university, but you know for me wherever I've been, whether it's been junior college, whether it's been a private four year school or a public four year school, and I've coached at all all three of them as a head coach, my roster makeup has been very diverse. We've been really balanced, and it's been important that we don't have all 
middle class kids. It may. It, it's also important we don't have all inner city kids. We want balance. We want different groups and different cultures to come together from from all different backgrounds. Because when that happens. There's so much power in that. And then you start seeing social mobility. And again, we talk about the game kind of being silly if there wasn't these lessons. Mm-hmm. But the game is a change agent because, you know, we, we just had Jamari Turner graduate as a first generation college student in his family. He's from Minneapolis and his whole life has changed now. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and it sounds like he's coming back for his grad school year now, which would be awesome too. So now he can take the next step academically. Justin Harley played for me at Graceland University, he had the game-winning shot uh, to to win the national championship in 2018. After he graduated, I then brought him to Emporia State to be our graduate assistant. He now makes a higher salary uh, than I do at Emporia State. His salary as a assistant director of nursing for a hospital system in Kansas City is higher than mine, and he's fresh off his MBA at Emporia State, and that makes me so happy. I mean, it's just I'm so proud of him, and uh, and, and wow, what and, and you look back, what brought us together? And that silly, that basketball, silly goal, that, auto, yeah, that 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 goal, that stuff. I you know he ended up I recruited him from from Herkimer Community College in New York, and he's from the city. And he came in, and uh, and Justin Harley is one of my best friends now. I love Justin Harley, and I, I just there's so much power in this game. That's uh, that that uh, again, yes, let's be well rounded. But and, and and I talk about how I could do many other things outside of coaching. But I'm pretty locked in on coaching right now. Too. <laughs> I, I I I love the game, and uh, it, uh, it it really is a blessing for me to have the opportunity to mold young men uh, in, in, in 2021 and beyond. Yep. One last thing here I wanted to ask you. I know you got a lot of corn to look at between uh, Chicago and Emporia here. Uh, so, uh, But you've, you've talked a lot about time management and time efficiency. Um, w- when you're setting up your day, uh, you know, I know like Coach Meyer would say, you know, set up your week at the on Sunday, set up the your next day, the day the day before, and that type of thing. And and it sounds like you're very intentional with your with your time and your time management. Uh, what what are some things that you do to manage your time in in such a way? Uh, do, do you have kind of a, a schedule that you follow every day? Is it pretty set in stone that I'm going to do I'm going to work out at this time? I'm going to do. Uh, academic stuff at this time or is it kind of a free-flowing thing do you write it out just just anything that you could help our coaches out with with those type of concepts and ideas yes i'm not sure how i operate would work for most people but i will explain how i do operate so before i before i go to bed at night and even throughout the day and in the previous days i'm in my notes in my phone a lot where i may have a to-do list and i put it in order of priority of you know or the, the stuff towards the top needs to be done uh relatively soon based on uh based on urgency um and then uh and then as that as as the list goes down some of the stuff maybe stuff that isn't due uh you know for a month or two or doesn't need to be done uh but 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 there certainly is a deadline on it eventually and i have i have that to-do list so when i go in the office i can just start hammering away on that to-do list and uh, and start working off. You know what what works for me really well is that I've always had incredible assistant coaches, Marty. Mm-hmm. And right now, right now, uh, Coach Lavery uh, at at Emporia State with me. He's been my right hand man at Rock Valley College. When I went to Graceland, he stayed back. He took over the head job at Rock Valley. Then 
and then he followed me. Uh, I, I gave him the call once I got the job at Emporia State. He came with. So there's a lot of things that need need to take place. A lot of paperwork. A lot of organization. Coach Slavery handles, and then I also bring in a staff for him to have as well. Mm-hmm. Head coach, if we would kind of draw out our organizational structure, you got the circle at the top, which is the head coach. You got one bar underneath, then it's then. And then all the lines of the other assistants, so they go directly to him. So, so I get to build division with Coach Lavery, and he gets to do a lot of that execution. And um, and that doesn't mean that the other assistants don't come to me because they certainly do. But for direct responses, I, I haven't set up. So I know Coach is going to be because because Coach is an early guy than a late guy. So I know he's going to be in the office early. So we're always covered in that office. Basically, we're covered from seven thirty until six seven o'clock p.m. in the office. Uh-huh. It may be slavery. It may be me. Uh, but but we're 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 ever present uh, for our student athletes and, uh, and and for the needs of the program. So for me, it's it's just having a vision to set it up, structure it. But it's to surround myself. With with really high quality people who compromise uh, who compromise my strengths and and, uh, and who who really help alleviate my weaknesses and Coach Lavery is just God sent he's awesome to have in the program and uh, I've been very fortunate to have him so for me again to do list very important that I have that that I can always just access that and go through and that way I don't forget something that's really important throughout the day uh, to have to have quality staff. And then I think the last thing would be just to be always thinking. I mean, my mind is nonstop going. It is it is always going, and uh, I, I it never sleeps. There's it's it's always you know whether I could barely watch a basketball game with my wife. She doesn't like watching with me because I'm always pausing, <laughs> rewinding, so record, recording things on my DVR. The action that we have uh, that we're putting in this year at Emporia State is going to be some of the stuff that I liked that they were running with Chris Paul and Devin Booker for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I just I really like it, and we're going to build off of that. Um, and, and, and I saw it in the playoffs, and I recorded it, and uh, we're going to run a hybrid of some of that stuff. And uh, so, so that's just that's just how I also work, is I'm always thinking, and, and, and uh, I'm always just trying to put the vision together. Yeah, it's it's hard to turn that mind off, especially when the games are popping on. And yeah, I can re- I can relate to the pausing and the rewinding, and my wife starts rolling her eyes as well. So I we we, <laughs> yep. we, we, we we've all been there, I think. So. Coach Craig Doty from Emporia State University. Coach, I, I, I appreciate the, the time here today. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, and, and I hope I was able to, uh, to delay looking at some corn here for about a half hour or so uh, and, and get your mind in a little bit different place. So uh, I, I hope the, 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 the drive home goes well. So I got a cornfield to my right, a bean field to my left. I was born and raised on a farm in South Dakota, which was corn and soybeans as well. Uh, so uh, I do appreciate this, but it's always good to have good conversations too. So thanks for uh, thanks for the dialogue. I appreciate it, Marty, and you're welcome to come down to practice anytime. Any of your viewers as well, if you'd like to come down to an Emporia State practice, uh, just just reach out to us. You can find our contact on our Emporia State website. Uh, and we will we'll get you down to enjoy an afternoon uh, in our gym, uh, spending time around our program. Awesome, Coach. If you could just hold the line uh, a, a quick second here. Uh, coaches, uh, this has been Quick Hitters, uh, Volume 6. 
uh, Don Showalter, Dick Lean, Adam Stolzer, and Craig Doty on this podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time. <laughs>